0: And and uh, it's the it's it's the mind again that starts playing tricks on you, and uh, you can push the sleep forward for just so long. Uh, at the end, I need. I, I, in the end, you need to put the chemicals right in your brain, otherwise you get into a psychosis, which I also pushed myself into, which I which means I know how it feels and I know the symptoms and I know what I need to do if I get them. So. Uh, I think it comes down to experience here. And sometimes you get the fee- the, the symptoms early because you, I mean, for, for whatever reasons you're in the state you're in and, and for at some occasions you can wait for two nights before you get the, these symptoms. So it's, um, but, but definitely you can train on not sleeping so much and train your brain to don't need so much sleep. But, I mean, this is stupid things. This is not things you should train on. But it's possible to do it. Uh, but don't do it.
1: That, my friend, was Johann Steen. And this is the Inspiration Runners podcast. Hey, everyone. Hope you're all well. My name is Robbie Marsh, and I'm your host. So welcome to the podcast. Listen, if you know the Backyard event, then my next guest isn't going to need any introduction. He set the course record at Big Dog's Backyard Ultra in 2018 by completing 68 loops, which is just over 283 miles, beating the incredible Courtney Dewater. If that wasn't awe-inspiring enough, he turned up to the event exhausted and sleep-deprived, which is never a good place to begin 68 hours of racing. Johan is one of my favorite ultra runners of all time, a real raw runner who keeps things so simple that he can work through the pain when it comes, and boy, does it come. Before we start, I'd just like to announce the Inspirational Runner's next event, the Finn McCool Virtual Team Challenge, which is a 1350km race, which is equivalent of running a marathon in each of the 32 counties in Ireland. It's a great virtual race. It starts on the 10th of July. Your team of four will have 16 weeks to complete the challenge, which is a minimum of 13.1 miles a week for each team member. For the loony leprechauns out there, you'll have an option of chasing down the Golden Shamrock by taking on the challenge on your own. I use Brave as a Giant Finn McCool, 1,350 kilometres in 16 weeks. If you're listening to this, we would love you to come and join the crack on our Facebook page named the Finn McCool Virtual Challenge. It would be great to see runners from all over the globe joining us through a virtual tour of the 32 counties of Ireland. Sounds epic? Don't give it a second thought. Registration link is in the show notes. Not to delay you any further, it's with great pleasure I give you Johan Steen. Super excited to have you on anyway Johan, like I've sort of I've had Laz on, I've had Maggie, I've had Courtney, I've been climbing that ladder of the backyard <laughs> so I have. <laughs> I mean
0: the I mean the top of the ladder should be last, right? It's his idea.
1: <laughs> oh, that man, he's just so magical, like mystical and many other things all sort of rolled in. I'm definitely le- really looking forward to unpacking the backyard. Um, I'm really, really drawn to that event, event for so many reasons. Like I'm trying to define myself as an ultra runner. And I feel that the backyard is like, it, it's more like a um, an ultra running school, if you like, a weekend that you go away. because. You know, your kit's gonna be tested, your body's gonna hurt, you're gonna go come to places where you're gonna have stomach issues, you're gonna have to problem solve, make good decisions, you're gonna have to combat sleep deprivation, you're gonna have to test your mental resilience, you're gonna have to come to that place that you wanna quit. For most of us, we are gonna fail, (laughs) we're gonna DNF, and almost afterwards, you're gonna be left with a slight disappointment of what you could have done better. So you're putting yourself through all of those emotions in one go. And but just before we unpack that though, like a little bit about yourself, Johan. For those people that don't know you, like how, you know where you're from and so how how did you get into Alteron to begin with?
0: Yeah, um, I was born in 1973, uh, and um, I I grew up in nor- in a suburb north of Stockholm in Sweden. Studied uh, mechanical engineering in the university, and then I started after a few years building my own company with some friends and I now have been the CEO of that company group since 2006. Uh, We are listed on the Stockholm Stock Exchange and uh, that that said, it means that I work a lot and I've been working a lot the last almost 20 years now. And uh, somewhere in like 10 years ago, my friends saw that I was getting more and more grumpy and and more and more unhealthy and somewhere along the way he realized that he he, we uh, perhaps at least me needed to change something in our in my life and uh, he persuaded me to start doing some some exercises and uh, started jogging and i did that for a few years and i did it in a really uh, small amount i just did a few runs a week like uh, three kilometers each time and it was since it was uh, so little it wasn't hard to keep up with that new way of life and it it made me happier healthier and, and uh A better person and I felt it and uh, <clears throat> so I just kept doing it and um, after a couple of years, I read a book called born to run by Chris McDougall and uh, I was so intrigued by how far people can run <laughs> and I was so Uh, Curious about how that would affect me and where my limits uh, would be if I tried. Uh, Would it be mental, would it be physical? Uh, So I uh, signed up for an ultra run in north of Sweden. And when I got there, I had the great uh, opportunity to meet one of the biggest names in ultra running in Sweden. Uh, Rune Larsson, he has won the Spartathlon, uh three times, and and he was on the starting line, so I just shut it out with him for for uh, for a few hours, and I was just feeling that I found my I found my sport here, and um, I was really bad at it, and I and I DNF'd off. It was a hundred k race, and I DNF'd after eighty six, I think. I, it was nothing wrong with me; it was just that. I couldn't go anymore. I, I couldn't find the motivation. I felt sorry for myself. I was standing in front of an aid station with all these uh, sweets and, and uh, liquids. And I in, I was just miserable in the rain, a lot of pain. And uh, um, yeah, and, and someone told me, uh, you know, you've you done good. You don't have to run anymore. So I just jumped into <laughs> a car. Co- they they wrapped a the blanket around me and put me in a car and drove me to the finish line and I felt oh, what what just happened here? Uh, why didn't I make this decision more or less by myself? I was, I was here so easy to inf- I was so easy influenced by this person that I didn't know that said you don't have to run anymore and I just took that <laughs> advice and stopped running and I and I, of course I was disappointed but not that much though because I after that experience I was so humbled that I had found this sport and I was. I was just signing up for the next race. I, I, I just a couple of days later, and and from there on, I just uh, tried new things when it comes to ultra running. I wanted to try the timed races and see what happens there. Uh, I wanted to do the deserts because that sound sounded like a great adventure. I wanted to do the mountains and the long road races. So um, from that date, which was in 2011 uh, the beginning or, or the summer beginning of the summer of 2011 I did my first race and from there I just signed up for races and uh, I tried to find races that I had read about or find races that uh, that seemed to be, be held in a in a in a beautiful environment uh, and um, so since then it's been my hobby or a big part of my life actually so i try to divide my time between the work and and my family and and the running and sometimes the work gets a better hand sometimes the the running but uh, what i really would like to spend more time with is of course my family i don't know how i prioritize but but uh, i try to balance those three things in my life
1: yeah like you're you're born in 1973 i was born in 75 Um, So I can relate a lot to what you're saying, you know, we've got kids around the same age and, you know, you find a bit of time for a good long run. I did a 12 hour run there two weeks ago, but in the back of your mind, you're like, "Mm, maybe I should be spending time with kids and being a bit selfish now or actually Mm -hmm. work consumes you a bit too much and you're exhausted from work and you're like, well, I actually need run to run into de-stress, but then this circle just keeps on going round and round. And yeah. I do think a lot of people that are in ultra running are the same because, like, I know when i done CCC last year, the average age was 42. Yeah. And there's a lot of similar people going through those motions. And balance is the, I don't know if discipline is the word to use, because I find the more disciplined I am, the more balance I can gain and the more I can share myself about um but also living a very working a very stressful job it's very interesting will haywood said you know with each promotion he got um the further he ran and there's a correlation between how mu- how busy you are and yeah. how much you run like and i think we can all relate to that because it totally de-stresses you like
0: um, yeah it does and, and i think it's may- maybe of course it's some sort of discipline but it's also routine and not to break the routine. If, if, if it's a routine, you don't have to make the decision. The decision is already made somehow. So it's just a way of life. And and I have found a way that I can commute to work by running, which is great. So when I'm not traveling, which I unfortunately have done a lot the last couple of years, but but uh, when it comes to work, I mean, and, and um, then I just run 10k to work and uh, then when i go home i run 10k home and then i got 20 k a day just by commuting to work which is great
1: because it's that, like that comes down to time management doesn't it fitting in what you oh, can yeah. yeah yeah and i sort of feel as a rhythm you try and get this r- rhythm or momentum and it can tip very very easily like wednesday thursday <laughs> you can find yourself because you haven't held them <laughs> habits and then you think right monday i have to start this momentum or uh-huh. rhythm right again if you get it right oh yeah, it starts building um in your first race there when you dropped out at 86 sort of miles like there's no easy path to success and ultra running like you have to learn your trade don't you
0: definitely and i i think for me the it was never interesting to do the the competition or the races The the race part for me was not interesting in the beginning it was i was um 100 the curiosity of what will the the um Unknown. What, what, where will I break down? What is it that will put me to stop? Uh, and um, which also meant, I think, uh, that I, after that, never quit to the race because I, I just finished it, even if it's extremely slow, or I'm more like, or more or less, just drag myself into the finish. Because the important thing is not to race it and do it well in a in a competitive way the the thing is to finish something that you started and uh, and it's for yourself more more than doing it against others do you think
1: that's part of your success then is that when you go into these events that you're chasing that moment of when it's going to get tough like because i had a the first time i sort of came across that was i went out for a 10 mile ra- race and at mile seven or eight i just blew up as a really new into running first year of running and Afterwards, I really beat myself up and was like, ah, oh, like I did not have to walk at mile seven. So three days later, I went out for a 10-mile run, which I'd done quite a few times. And I was waiting. I wanted to meet that person that that knocked me out of that race like three days before. And it never came. And I knocked six minutes off my PB just by ch- chasing after it rather than being worried about it. Cause it's very yeah, similar yeah. to that, isn't
0: it? I think so, yes, absolutely. And I think that's also why I, why I could do so much of it for f- so many years without getting burned out, because it was nothing that, that weighted me down. I mean, I had, I had no pressure for performing well, other than just seeking this uh, experience, I think. So I could do it a lot, and I could do it often, which also meant that I could, the first years, even though I raced a lot, I, I, I think that all those races were also a good, base training for me to to reach the, the level that i reached
1: yeah it almost sounds like that you're trying to chase after yourself that weak person that's within your head and you yeah. really want to get to that point and then confront him so yeah you're the you're the one that's more powerful than that person because we all have that weak person inside like
0: you know that that's absolutely, and I, I don't know how to put words on it, but there's somewhere there the race starts, right? If if you have a really long race, you just long for when the struggle begins because that's where you, that's where the actual race starts, and that might be 12 hours in, it might be 24 hours in, or, I mean, if you run hard, it might be, already at six hours in. I don't know. But yeah. uh,
1: we had we had an ultra race that was cancelled here last week. It's a 52 mile mountain race. So I went and done the race as a training run. Um, mile forty-four, it hit me. That person confronted me, and I sat down with my hands in my face. And then I was like, "Well, actually, you got it easy for forty-four miles." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I came out today just. With that. <laughs> but I came out today just for this moment, for this mile forty-four, feeling sorry for myself. I said, "This is when I have to push through, and this is where I'm going to get the learning." It's not about the miles and the legs. Like you can do a hundred miles and it's you know pace is the only thing that kills you but slowly you can do it but can you push through this point and i just got up and went on <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> like why the hell were you even yeah confronting yourself like that and i think that's for me that's one of the draws for, about ultra running is that unknown and that
0: limits yeah isn't it? and it's also something that i mean even though that you, you can of course train for it, but you cannot be in that situation so many times in a lifetime, right? If, if you're a sprinter, you can train your start. You can train your start with, because that's where you're going to, where you're going to gain some 10th of a second for your race. And, and it's extremely important that you do that well. So you can train it 10,000 times. You can just repeat it year after year after year and you can be there 10,000 times just to perfect that start. When it comes to ultra running, if you're going to be good at, let's say, uh, a, a championship uh, event, which should be the, I mean, 24-hour race, for example, and how how often can you be in a in a in the tough situation in a hundred-mile race, uh, 24-hour race? It's it, that position or that situation will occur perhaps after 10, 12 hours. That's where you start to reach a level where you actually have to perform on the top of your capacity to make your best race. And then you're gonna keep that best performance motivated, you're gonna keep your body running, you're gonna keep your your pace at the, at the perfect level just to get the most out of your body and mind for perhaps 12 hours after those first 12 hours which is just the transport up to the last where the race starts how many you cannot be in that position 10,000 times in a lifetime you cannot never perfect it that's why i think it's also so interesting to have these chats with people from all over the world with their experiences because you have to be you have to listen to each other in ultra running because we don't have the chance. Every individual doesn't have the chance to to perfect it because you can't be there so many times in that situation where you're gonna learn. So you have to listen to others, other people's experiences, and I enjoy that a lot.
1: Yeah, and the unique thing about it is we're so we're all so much very individual. So what works for one doesn't work for other, and it's almost like I have this motto: listen to everybody and follow no one. You know, you have to take a bit of what everybody's saying. The backyard is a a real unique format that really exercises that, and I think what you've just sort of explained that it, I call it like um, like sort of that personal self development, but it's more than that. The whole ultra community is learning together. You know where we are now to where we were three years ago or three years before that. People are going longer, faster. Um, they're getting more mental strength because they understand that half the time we're just talking crap and we're getting more confidence from each other and seeing how far people can go like people are talking about 300 y- 300 miles now in this year's backyard because of what you and Courtney had done back then but like five years ago they wouldn't have been saying that they would have been saying like 250 is amazing and I think that's what's so unique about the backyard is that it's helping us as a r- running community learn about ourselves as individuals absolutely
0: and, and and it's it's so the the backyard format is so accessible to anyone you can be a beginner you can be the one of the best in the world and and you will all of you will be in the same race at the same same position every hour and you can t- talk to to all that spectrum of knowledge and experiences which is huge yeah
1: so Talking about the backyard then, it was 2018 and you yeah. and Courtney had sort of went the distance. Like, I really want to unpack that race because um, I have a real love affair with the backyard. Can you prepare for an event like that or do you just go on the back of the races that you're doing?
0: I, I think you can prepare for it. I mean, you, you I've done it a few times, uh, a, a night training session with a friend. So we just set up base camp in his uh, garage and then we do a loop every hour for 12 or 14 hours so we meet up at friday night after work and then we do it until saturday morning and i mean it's it's just you know friday night you're tired from a week of work and you would like to just be with your family and stay in your bed perhaps sleeping on the saturday but but this is uh, i think this is this has helped a little bit you know just to be in that in this not so nice position for for some hours and just you cannot decide what to do you just have to do your loops and uh, at least you can bring a friend so you have someone to chat with but you just push you end the week with a with a long run uh, before you have uh, earned the, the right to to rest a little bit during the weekend but I think that that's one way for me at least to, to get some uh, specified training in for the backyard event. And then uh, I think it helps me that I do a lot of this commuter running because that's a rather short distance, but I do it a couple of times a day. And, and when I train for something, I put in another ses- session a day, which means I have three running sessions a day. Which I think, at least, it helps me because I think it's good. I don't know if it's physically good, but, but at least in my mind, I I think it's a it's a good way of training for the backyard. Which it w- which means it will be a good way of training because I believe in it. So, uh, but
1: that's a huge thing, though, isn't it? Belief, like that, I have uh, maybe half a dozen things there in my head that if I tick them, um, that I'm going to have a good race or a good long run. They might they may have no relevance on the race whatsoever. But it's a confidence thing to say, okay, Uh, you know, I didn't drink (laughs) this week. Um, I got good sleep this week. Because when you confront that person we talked about, he starts throwing all that at you. You know, Uh, you know, you've had no sleep, you know, in the last three days, you should have went to bed earlier last night. Like all these
0: negative thoughts. Exactly. No, it's not. It cannot go there. And I'm going to give you an inside tip here. I many years ago i decided to have a glass of champagne with my wife before a 24-hour race which now i which now took away that thing that you said that it doesn't matter if i drink some alcohol the days before a race <laughs> so yeah. it's fine it's totally fine to do that you can perform anyways so. no yeah. but uh no just a joke um,
1: no but I, I actually do have a pint the night before a good race i think it, it's a relaxing environment rather than being tense you know Rather have been tense the night before. Just sit down, paint a Guinness. Must Mm -hmm. be an Irish. (laughs) Definitely relaxes you. Full of iron as well. Apparently. Um.
0: (laughs) No. 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 No, a, a glass of beer or something the day before is is uh, might be really good if it ma- helps you sleep better or helps you relax, go to sleep because it can be stressful if it's, if you think it's an important race. Of course, the, the night sleep is good. I had I had uh, really bad sleep before the two thousand eighteen race. I had uh, a lot of difficulties coming over to Tennessee uh, from Sweden. It was something. The first plane had to turn around over Iceland. Uh, on our way over because there was something wrong with the instruments. Then I had trouble rescheduling the flights and I had to fly via Washington. I missed a couple of flights and uh, yeah it it was messy. I got caught. I was pulled over by a a highway patrol officer in Tennessee because I had forgotten to put on the headlights on the the rental car when I was driving towards the start during the night. So Now, I had I was more or less very sleep deprived when I when I actually tried to catch a few hours of sleep and and then uh, the hormones was uh, too wrong, uh, very wrong somehow. So I was too stressed and I couldn't catch any sleep. So I I just got up and uh, drove to the start. It was raining. It was, you know, it's early in the morning, so it's dark and I was just miserable and I was having all these negative thoughts that you refer to and. uh, it wasn't fun. I, I couldn't realize that I took time off my work and away from my family and I was miserable. So walk. you, you park your car at last place, you park your car at, at Biggs uh, like a mile away or a little shorter than a mile away in a field and then you walk up to the start. And I walked there in the rain and I realized these things that I just said that I was miserable, even though it should be my hobby, which should be something fun and inspirational. So. I decided to try to have fun and was, and, and and don't th- because I, of course, I was there. Uh, I knew that people wanted me to perform well. I knew that I wanted to perform well because I've done it before. And uh, but I decided not to think about that. I decided to have a fun time with the friends that I hadn't seen for a long time. So uh, I, I tried to talk myself into having fun on that short walk up to the start, and then I saw all the faces of my friends and uh, all the people that I love so much. And somehow I, I just started running and decided to to enjoy it. Yeah, uh, But I was very, very tired. And I know that some of these people told me afterwards that when we saw you in the start, we thought that you were dead already, that you were no one to count on. <laughs> And I seen pictures from it, and I and I realized they were right. But um, somehow, I think that also this, since I was, I, I could put away the stress for the actual race due to the fact that I, that the travel had been so troublesome and that I was so tired. So I, I thought that I'm I will definitely not have to compete because I won't be in the in the top segment of the runners because I will have to quit before. Yes. But that that put away all the stress, which made it very interesting for me to just be part of this of the field. So I looked, I was a spectator of the race from within. And I was that for a very, very long time, and I thought it was really interesting, and I wasn't stressed at all. And I just did my thing, and I, since I was so tired, I had no trouble sleeping from more or less loop one in 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 between starts. So I just finished a loop. I I had something to drink, a short, uh, a small snack, Uh, pulled my feet up and and just closed my eyes for a few minutes. And I I more or less did that from from the start.
1: Do you think you um, caught up with everybody or did like everybody sort of drop? Like, did you get to a point where, oh, finally, then actually we're all now in the same place? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean, so I don't I cannot say exactly where, when that oc- occurred, but I I started to, to see pain and suffering in my fellow runners in perhaps into after two days, which meant to me a whole lot mentally because I didn't feel so much different from the start. <laughs> so, so so me that was a huge advantage when I saw weakness in my fellow runners, I saw that. As I, I I was thinking to myself, huh? Now you now you're gonna feel how I had it for two days, uh, <laughs> and then uh, more or less the race began for me in my head that uh, I was still a part of it, and it it felt like, no, nah, I'm I'm not suffering more now than I did a day uh, twenty four hours ago. So
1: yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. Like so we always talk about like mental resilience and sort of breaking through that, um, but it's almost like. Letting go is maybe more powerful. You know, when you talk about it, you've let go of the pressure there. I know yeah. I, I won a entry into Edinburgh Marathon one year and I wasn't training for the Marathon. So I was barbecue the night before, a few beers with my friends, and I took it as a training run and I knocked six minutes off my P B. Yeah. And I was like, How the <laughs> heck did that happen? Like it's just there's something about that, you know. There's if you can let go, because it is just resistance, isn't it? It's, it's the mind yeah. and the body starting to resist certain things and what you perceive them to be, and like letting go and accepting what's going on is one of the it's, keys, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's I I, I really understand what you're saying. I, I think there's so much in that because the few races that you had in your life were were that where you can, where you can, um, uh, get that experience, you should, you should really try to evaluate why that happened, because that's where you, where you find your PBs. I'm certain of that. And I, I had the opportunity or the extreme luck of getting such a day when doing the 24 hour champion world championship in Belfast, 2017, I started running and I was, you know, when you do a 24 hour race, you just, beg for not having the pains or the weakness during the first three hours at least or perhaps even the first six hours and i started running and i felt okay and i was uh, i was going at the pace that i normally shouldn't be able to to withhold for 24 hours but i thought i i might even I, i might try this and then somehow i just felt okay for such a long time that i started to believe in it and when I start to believe in it, it happens, right? You have to believe it, not only think about it. You have to actually believe that this is possible. Now
1: you have to know it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. You just it. have yeah, to know exactly. it. Exactly, right? <laughs> you have to know it. And when I knew it, then I just did it. And and I did a PB, and it, it was uh, it was my best 24-hour race of a lifetime. I, I I have I don't know if I might might do another one, but it was a fantastic day because I could just believe. Mm-hmm. I knew I, I was going to do what I set out to do, and uh, those days are fantastic. And those days should tell you that everything is in the head.
1: Yeah, 165 I mean, miles you ran in that event. Yeah, yeah. you were like two thirds of a mile behind first place. Like such an epic race. Um, is it Ishikawa?
0: Ishikawa, yeah.
1: Ishikawa, I can go cutting out of that out. Like so, Ishikawa, like he's only 28 years of age. Then, um, do you think that endurance sort of like the older you get, it's something you don't really lose. It's like speed, they say around 28, you're, you're sort of your fastest. But do you think, I suppose a lot of it's all about the experiences that we're talking about that allows you to manage better?
0: Yeah, when it comes to races over 100 miles, I think you, you, can, you can push the younger people for, for some years, actually. But uh, I also see now that younger and younger runners come into 100 miles and, and also 24-hour races and longer and performing really well. So I think we will see f- f- physical peaking people uh, in the podium, even at the really long things, in a few years. I think so because the, the, you will always find some, a few people with with the uh, with the right mind, even at young age. I think, but. If you're older you can absolutely be performing at the top world level when when it comes to 24-hour races that's that's for certain i don't know about the 100 miles anymore because it's so extremely fast even if it's flat or if it's mountainous, it's it's extremely fast racing nowadays
1: yeah because there's a different type of shift in that type of running there you have all these track and speed runners from high school runners like they're now moving into ultra races and they're just destroying 100 mile races Oh yeah, a, a lot of people thought they couldn't transition across, but they're definitely proving this wrong. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. So on the backyard, tell me, like, I'm just visioning walking in. I've got two boxes. I've got one with my kit in it, and I've got one of my fuel in it. Now it's not my mental or my physical aspect that knocks me down. It's my fuel every single yeah. time. It's so hard to dial in. Like, what does mm. your fuel box look like when you're walking that mile to, to the chair?
0: I I think. I, I think i'm gonna disappoint you because I don't have a really good recipe or I, I don't i don't i'm not consistent at all what i what I'm consistent at is to do the routine come in don't don't be social don't chat around even though that's what you want to do because you don't see these people very often <laughs> but uh, go straight for your chair or at least i do that and i and I have a drink and uh, normally have some bubbly water or, or yeah, just water, um, and um, I grab something to eat, and that might be a banana or some yogurt, or maybe once in a while uh, uh, just a, a Snickers bar or something. Uh, and I do that, uh, and I pull my feet up, and, and uh, if it's in the beginning of the race, which means there's a lot of people around, I tried to put something over my, uh, just a T-shirt or uh, a towel, something over my eyes, which also signals don't talk to him now (laughs) because he's resting. (laughs) But also it makes me more relaxed. So I can just uh, breathe out. And and even though I don't sleep, at least I can just try to relax the mind and, and get the... The racing hormones uh, lowered somehow, so just feel relaxed and get the, get the heart rate down. And then I do that until it's uh, two minutes to the start. Then I start to fin sit myself up and go to the starting line and and uh, and just do it all over again. So the food thing is. I try to eat something more or less, not every loop, but more or less every loop, just a, just a bite. And it, it might be a fruit bite or some yogurt, something that's really easy to digest. And uh,
1: Is in there 2008. Anything, anything you stay away from?
0: Not, not, I don't eat so much candy. I don't do yells, uh, stuff like that. I, I try to eat something that's more normal food. Um,
1: just a normal release of energy.
0: Yeah, I think so, and and also it tastes better because after a few hours you don't want to eat anything, and then you have to continue eating anyway, and then it's good to just have something that you're used to and doesn't seem to.
1: Because you have to think of your ordinary working day, like or your ordinary living day. You know, could I yeah. go to work and eat this crap all the way through the day? The answer, <laughs> generally, not. Or could I take no. loads of caffeine at the start of the race and think I'm going to feel brilliant at the end of the working day? You're not. You're going to crash. You feel shite. Um, yeah. So how do you maintain what your body's used to doing day in, day out?
0: When the the field has dropped down a bit and not many people racing anymore, then you normally can have the uh, the opportunity to get real food because even may, the, the race might uh, offer you that or, or just some supporters might offer you some real food and then then it's really luxury because then you can have perhaps have a potato soup with onions and cream. I mean, then you can start eating real food, uh, cooked food, uh, warm food during night. I mean, that's that's just luxury. So uh, then I then I just uh, take that opportunity if, if it's there. Um, I, I think that, yeah, that I mean, I think it's good for your body and your digestive system, but I think perhaps even more for your mind. As we mentioned, the mind is the most important thing here. And if you get a, a hot meal, which is home cooked, I mean, that gives you something. That's real fuel.
1: A lot of this is just, it's the chemical balances in your mind. You've talked about sitting there, putting something over your eyes and resting. And it's not about being anti-sociable. This race is all about mental energy yeah and you're really trying to maintain as much of that as possible um i know we've had ian keith on the podcast a couple of times you'd know ian because he did the spine race the time he done it 24 hours as well like and you know his his equation is sim- simplicity yeah you know as yeah. little mental energy as possible that you can yeah. use that to focus in the race and that's just generally what you're doing isn't it even with your food and not over oh, I must take this and I must take that you know, you just didn't need to adapt to the the situation as it's unfolding.
0: Absolutely, and I think if you have that mental in um, uh, aspects on on these things, it might in some situations be really helpful because it won't stress you out. I mean, I described to you that I had trouble coming over to the race in two thousand eighteen, which meant I had I had to do some night shopping at Walmart. So I just, in the middle of one night, I went in there and I and I just picked things into my into my car and, and, and bought it. And this time it was a, a bag of apples. It was some other things. It was some yogurt and stuff. So there wasn't planned. It was just things that I saw in the store and I grabbed it and I put it down. And that's what I knew that this is what I'm going to eat for a few days. Yeah. And, and, and I was fine with that. I mean, I didn't have any. Some people work really well. I know that because I have really good friends that perform extremely well in in 24 hour championships with Excel sheets and they know exactly how many grams of gel they're going to eat each loop and and everything is like calculated down to the last step. I don't work like that. I I eat when I feel hungry. I drink when I feel thirsty and I tried I, I couldn't do it any other way because then I should then I should just start thinking about when I when I break this schedule, what will happen then? I mean, if I don't have a schedule, I can't break it. I just yeah. I go on feel, and uh, that works for me.
1: It's it's quite innate, as well, isn't it? Like that's one of the reasons why you run is for that sense of freedom. You know, you live a controlled life through work.
0: Yeah, I have too much. I have too many Excel sheets at work. I don't yeah. want them at, I don't want them at running as well.
1: Exactly, like I and I started the opposite way, you know. I started, you know, I read that much crap in magazines, etc., and slowly but surely, I'm just letting go, piece by piece, you know. And I just want to go out and run now, and yeah. and be able to listen to my body and adapt to that. I think that's key, isn't it? That's one thing that you learn is how to listen to your body.
0: Yeah, and listen to it, and know that when it doesn't tell you anything, you should give it something to eat anyway. I mean, <laughs> that's also to listen to your body because it's that comes from experience and 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 doing the wrong thing many times and hopefully we learn something and then you know that even though you don't feel like eating you should eat anyway because otherwise you will crash in a few hours so
1: yeah and you have to be careful that in the backyard because it is so social you know oh, yeah you, you can find yourself just talking like you know the people like maggie gooder you've got courtney do that you're and everybody right across the field really are all on the same journey like and you just get gnat in away about the stupidest things and you're like shit i actually haven't eaten in a couple of loops and you're like
0: (laughs) i mean it's i think my, my personal rule is that you're you're free to be social and talk to everyone during the loop but when in between then you just put your towel over your head and, <laughs> and do and do your thing, because that's where you need to relax and get everything down again before make yourself prepare for another run.
1: So problem solving is a big part of that. Like, um, do you have any sort of preempted problem solving, or do you just work with it? Like,
0: uh, I mean. So... I think it comes with experience also. Uh, you can of course, talk to people and learn from their mistakes and trouble they, they used to have. but uh, when you've done it for a few years, I think you know pretty much for yourself what what might be what might be happening and uh, you can prepare for that if it comes to chafing or bad stomach or or I don't know whatever. You, you can always have a backup plan for those things if you if you experienced them before and just uh, attend an issue early, of course, as as we know that we should do. Yeah. <laughs> and don't wait until it's really bad.
1: Just catching the early signs, really, I suppose, yeah, and, yeah. and sort of adapting to them. When you when you have your rest over, mm-hmm. do you do anything for recovery, like stretching or anything like that, or put your feet up? Or
0: no, I put my feet up. Uh, I, I have a box, I have my, my camping chair, I have a blanket, a pillow, I have a uh, like a, a thick jacket that I can put on right away at night, so I don't get cold. And uh, and then I have a box, a cooler with the with the drinks and some, if I have yogurt or other things that needs to keep cold. And then I have a big plastic box with the extra clothes and foods and stuff. And and then I put my feet up on that box. So I get my feet high right away.
1: So nothing complicated again. You really are just going with the flow.
0: Yeah, no Does, complicated things. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. <laughs> so, what, what's the first hundred miles like for you? Then is it just like a social activity? You know, you know, you know, you're gonna get to hundred miles. Yeah, barring anything really unknown appearing, like, mm-hmm. um, is it just a matter of going through the process of a hundred miles? Uh,
0: I think that when it comes to the backyard, it's just to do your own thing, which is re I try to when people ask me, I try to tell them that don't follow any other person's pace even though that they're really have uh, fun to talk with if it's too slow or too fast don't go their pace because it might be fine for 12 or 16 hours but after 24 hours going at someone else's pace is not good for you it won't happen it won't it, you won't at least perform your maximum at that race if you do it like that so so find your own pace and that might take Take a few hours, of course, or loops. But but then when you found it, stick to it. And um, if it's don't chase that loop time at night. If it's if it's uh, slower, then you find a night loop time which is good for you, and so forth. And um, it's we we talked about the mental issues here, and and I think if you start to see the loop time being longer that will put some stress on you. Maybe you start thinking, maybe I don't have the have it in me to do it at this pace anymore, but uh, don't think about that. I mean, just let if, if, if that's what feels good right now, do a slower pace, because in a few hours you might do a faster pace again. So it's yeah. it's, it's a lot of the mental aspects even here, just to, to believe in that it's your race, your pace and, and um, don't get stressed out what's happening when it when it comes to pace.
1: The key thing really is just try not to think, isn't it? And stay in that present Thank you. moment. Thank
0: you. That's exactly what it is. Don't think, just do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's about staying in that present moment, isn't it? I suppose that in essence, that's what I'm trying to learn in running at the minute is patience.
0: Don't just- look ahead. Thank you. You're so correct. Don't look ahead. Be here. Uh, that's the most important thing. Because if you start thinking about... Uh, the sun will rise in seven hours. Then I'll get some new energy. Don't think <laughs> like that. That will be a death march.
1: Um, what do you think is your biggest mistake, or was your biggest mistake during that event? Did you make any big errors?
0: Nah, I think
1: uh, apart from getting th- there,
0: <laughs> I, I had actually a lot of, of stomach issues. I went to the to the bathroom. I think uh, it was Guillaume. Calmetto told me that if 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 people knew how much trouble you had, they they would appreciate your effort even more. But but uh, no, I went there many many times, and I think that was due to the the bad sleep before I had. I mean, the body was just protesting towards what I was doing from the beginning. So uh, that I, I I couldn't say that there was a mistake, but that was something that I had to fight. Uh, yeah. Uh, all the way otherwise i think i was so lucky i mean it was this i mean i wasn't planning on getting into the race sleep deprived i wasn't planning on just giving up every thought of, of performing well just a few minutes before the start that those things just happened and those were the success factors for me i think because i was in the present all the time i really enjoyed seeing the other uh, runners race each other and and starting to having the mental warfare and psyching each other it was fun and and i was having fun uh, until it came down to a few people left and then i realized i'm gonna i'm gonna win this because i won't quit
1: yeah because you're ready i suppose already being through that and knowing what you would come through already that you were prepared before they were prepared because they were just moving into that dark place when you yeah you didn't have any, so. any lights and- on
0: and I, and I had I had so many loops where I didn't think, as we discussed, I didn't think, I didn't have a plan, I wasn't thinking ahead, I was just there. And and that was, I think, was the success factor. And uh, and then there was so many good runners in the in the field that I knew that I would never beat in a, in a normal race with a finish line. Uh, but since we didn't have a finish line, I realized that uh, I might I might take this. Yeah. Do
1: you- there's a myth that you actually sleep when you're running. <laughs> Everyone goes, Johannes Steen, oh, he's the guy that sleeps when he's running. Like, <laughs> like, how great that would be. But sleep deprivation is a huge thing, isn't it? One day is one thing, but going into the second night, you know, that really starts to get on people's shoulders like, and puts a weight on them. Like, um, how do you overcome that? And any endurance race, really, especially the longer, like over 24 hours, you know, mm-hmm. it, that's what really starts to mix the body up.
0: Yeah, and and uh, it's the it's it's the mind again that starts playing tricks on you, and uh, you can push the sleep forward. For just so long. Uh, at the end, I need. I, I, in the end, you need to put the chemicals right in your brain. Otherwise, you get into a psychosis, which I also pushed myself into. Which I, which means I know how it feels, and I know the symptoms, and I know what I need to do if I get them. So, uh, I think it comes down to experience here. And sometimes you get the fee, the, the symptoms early because you. I mean. for for whatever reasons you're in the state you're in. And and for at some occasions, you can wait for two nights before you get these symptoms. So it's um, but but uh, definitely you can train on not sleeping so much and train your brain to don't need so much sleep. But I mean, this is stupid things. This is not things you should train on, but it's possible to do it. but
1: don't do it <laughs> that's definitely the quote of the day like <laughs> but like i came home from work the other night thursday night absolutely exhausted from work lay on the sofa i felt like shit like 10 minutes sleep i got up and then i went for a mountain run i came yeah. back from the mountain run i felt amazing i couldn't sleep then you know mm-hmm. sitting at half 11 at night wanting to sleep but i was exhausted but that
0: 10 yeah. minutes of a power those nap. 10 minutes. I know that that's something that, uh, yeah, it's a really good point because you can if as long as you get just a, short, a few minutes, a short nap where you're I don't know what's happened, but something happens in your brain with the chemicals at least. So you get you, you get a few hours of awake time just for, from a few minutes of sleep. And I use that in in mountain races as well. That that uh, takes place over several days. When you when you get all the symptoms that I know is really dangerous, especially if you're in an alpine environment, uh, you, you start making extremely stupid decisions. Uh, you, you cannot continue, even though that the, bed, the weather is bad and whatever. You need to get those few minutes because from those few those few minutes of napping, you can get up to, I don't know, in, in extreme cases, you get 12 hours of awake time afterwards where you can make good decisions. Which yeah. will, will which will keep you healthy and safe
1: because you, your mind starts deviating like if you don't take some level of sleep, like we had Will Haywood last year, he thought he was back in Hong Kong on the first yeah. on the last loop um, yeah. what's the craziest hallucination that you've had I love I love hearing about hallucinations <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> i uh,
0: yeah I, I I talked about this a few times but but maybe I don't know if it's good to talk about it or bad to talk about it i I really need to emphasize that
1: don't, do this don't home, push folks. yourself to these <laughs>
0: limits because it's not healthy but uh now i of course what uh, what happens first is that you and uh, normally you, you get deja vu deja vu uh, moments that you that you start to realize that i've been here before i know this trail i know these trees i've been here before even though that is brand new place and um, then after that it's it's rather common that you that the bushes and trees can turn into figures like hallucinations you see it can be big for, for me one time in, in the jordan in the um, jordanian desert i saw uh, big insects uh, <laughs> uh, so so the bushes or the shrubs became perfect metallic insects like 2 meters big grasshoppers and and beetles and stuff and they were like like visually perfectly made but i knew as long as there's just hallucinations or mirages i I should say uh, because i just differ between those two so mirages you see these things and uh you know it's just something that you're that your brain has come up with. So, you know, it's fake, which so so it's not scary at all. It's just something that you see and you know that it's because you're tired. So everything, your thoughts, your thoughts are still your own. But you see these things, right? If you push it even further, you will start to get other senses into it. And then you can start calling it a hallucination because then you can smell the coffee, which is not there. And you can hear the, the voices of the people that are not there. Uh, and uh, I did that. Uh, I did uh, a race called Tahoe 200 around Lake Tahoe uh, many years ago, and I didn't. Uh, I I didn't have this much experience of the symptoms then. But but um, then I I heard voices. I was extremely tired. This was in the morning, so it was after night. So the sun has, has risen, and, and I'm up high on the mountain and I, and I hear voices and I'm so longing for coffee, just a cup of coffee. And I hear voices. I see a red tent, uh, a marmotte tent. I see the logo. Uh, I hear someone stirring a metallic coffee pot. And then I come up to this place where I've seen everything and it's just uh, two rocks on a log. Oh, shit. And uh, yeah. That, that was an extreme hallucination for me, at least. And and then, yeah, I've been I've been pushing it even further into real psychosis, and there you lose your own uh, thoughts. It's not... The, the entire world becomes uh, a fantasy world, and you don't know that it's fantasy anymore. So you're just into... You're, you're awake, but you're in a dream, and this is horrible, and you cannot decide when to stop being in the dream. You're just locked in there. And I've been that for a long. Sl- the, the longest time I've been in there is uh, four and a half hours. I was sitting in a, in a parking square in Tennessee doing a race called last annual volunteer road race. Uh, it's a, it's a 500 K or 314 miles race. And this was the last morning I've been just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it until I pushed it too far. And I, I made up my own rules. or so my mind made rules for my existence which meant I was not allowed to leave this parking space outside the church <laughs> and uh, uh, I was and and uh, I was no longer in the race I was there because I'd been on a business trip with my colleagues and they were also there but I they were faceless but I felt that they were there and they were all, we were always ending up our business trip at this parking lot and uh, somehow they had they remembered how to get out of there so they got picked up one by one but i had forgotten how to get picked up and i didn't realize how to do it because i realized i was in the usa and i and i and my swedish uh, taxi apps on the phones wouldn't wouldn't work here and uh, i was just stuck there for until the 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 dawn came and another runner came down the mountain and the sound of the, on the running shoes uh, hitting the tarmac and the sight of him made me snap back into the real world. So it was just a, like a, a second and I was back in the real world and I remembered everything from the psychosis, which was terrible, terrifying. And uh, I just threw myself at this runner and I started babbling and describing my experience and i said you cannot leave me i need <laughs> i need company i need human contact please let me run with you and then and he was part of um his name was his name was charlie taylor he's unfortunately left us but uh, he was a part of a relay team so i debriefed myself towards him for a few miles then the next run it came out of a of a van, and he and I debriefed myself to, at at him, and then another runner and I debriefed myself. So the lad it was more or less a little more than a marathon left for the finish line, and and I just babbled on. <laughs> These guys were so friendly to let me run next to them and and talk to them, so I just could uh, get this out of my uh, get this out of my head. But that was terrible, and I would never. I would never wish for anyone to be in that position and I will never, ever be there myself again. It's terrible.
1: It it just shows you how far the body can go, though, doesn't it? Like, and where the mind can take you. Yeah. It is at times there when you do feel a bit... uh, It doesn't take much to change the direction of your mind either. You know, that runner came along. um, Sometimes I might be sitting on the pity step and I see a runner coming. I just maybe slow up and let them catch up with me and then... You know, after four or five minutes of talking to them, you're coming back and you're actually feeling good again. And that is, I suppose, a good tip that even in the backyard, if you're starting to feel low or anything, you know, maybe hook up with somebody, talk to somebody about anything
0: at all. That's a really good tip. And it's it will push this uh, this mental boundary or sleep deprived boundary forward, which also makes it a little bit more dangerous because you will push yourself even further out on this rim. But, but as long as you are aware of the, of the symptoms and, and that it's very good to finally get s- just a few minutes of, of sleep, then, then it should be fine. You can abso- absolutely push yourself further with a friend. Uh, it's a huge yeah. difference. I, I've called in races where you love to have your phone. I call people when I, when I feel the symptoms coming and I'm alone. Uh, I, I just call someone and talk to them. It pushes me back a little bit
1: make sure it's the right person <laughs> it's not the person that says what are you doing just give up you're crazy Pull no no no, no no no
0: you're so correct. don't call your mom yeah.
1: <laughs> so what was it like coming down to the last two yourself and Courtney then because Courtney is such a superstar in the world of ultra running like yeah. Uh,
0: yeah well at the end it was when we uh, at the end we were three runners uh, Gavin Woody, Courtney and myself and um we saw, it was very obvious that, that Gavin was struggling with his legs, and um, he was the one that pushed himself all the way that day, I think, because he was running until he didn't, the, the body just shut down on him, uh, so uh, but but since you're getting more and more primitive as as the, the loops goes by, I mean we are so tired now, and we are just doing things on instinct, I think, more or less, and uh, get down to, to the, I mean, caveman thoughts, more <laughs> or less, which means that when we saw him having trouble, we got energy from that. We just sucked up that energy. We were like a wolf pack and we were leaving him behind and we were just pushing on and, and we felt happy about that, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to feel and say, but, but that's more or less how it works. And then we, we started running a little bit faster just to show him that you don't have a chance against us. and uh,
1: Just to break him mentally. He's already broken yeah, physically. Yeah, and,
0: and I don't know if he even realized that, but for us, it, I, I know that it gave me and Courtney energy, just feeling that. And and we pushed away, and we did a loop, and we did another loop, and, and um, somehow we had... In, uh, during night at this race, you do it on on the uh, tarmac. It's it's out and back uh, on on the country roads, and you jump into the to the single track in the forest during the daytime. But this was at night, and and we had increased the pace, so we were and and the first quarter of a mile is downhill, which means that you also get a good start there. And um, I realized that. I could keep up with Courtney. I mean, she's a better runner, and um, that gave me some more energy. And I was, we were running and chatting, and uh, she, uh, we had a, we had a hill where she normally walked, uh, like a mile in, or a little bit more, uh, one and a half mile in perhaps. And um, we came there and. We, I somehow we decided to have a pee break. I don't remember exactly, but but we peed there, and and I was finished before her, and and I started running up the hill, and I pushed a bit because I just wanted to open up a gap. I don't know why it was it wasn't planned, but I did it, and uh, I pushed on, and uh, it was also a mental game, and I don't know if she struggled or wanted to to catch up with me but I pushed on and at the turnaround point she wasn't there and I started and there this you you climb up to that turnaround point for a bit and I was jogging down that that slope and uh, she wasn't where she used to be <laughs> she was all the way down at the bottom where I met her and I um, she always greeted all the runners throughout all the days and nights with a whoop-whoop. Very happy whoop-whoop to give uh, her fellow runners energy. And, and so I I, <laughs> I, di- I, g- I shouted out to her whoop-whoop. And, and all that came back was more like whoop-whoop. Very, very sad whoop-whoop from Courtney, which gave me more energy. Uh, that she was showing uh, some sort of weakness or some sort of...
1: Yeah, yeah. She was allowing you to see that as well, like you know. Ah, uh, like,
0: she gave me that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> when you're,
1: because you touched on it there, you know, you get really stripped down to the. You're just so stripped down. Everything that you know in ordinary life is gone, and it's just yep. like almost your just soul <laughs> that's left behind, and you're dragging it along. It's quite a. It's quite an. It's a nice place to be as well, even though it's a horrible place to be. Knowing that <clears> you're <throat> totally stripped down, that like you're not thinking about. You know, work your your payments, nah. any of that. That's oblivious now. None of that, and nothing matters at all. And that's no, one thing I found in the longer events. You're so stripped down that that's an amazing place to be.
0: It is. I mean, it's clean. It's it's extremely simple. You're supposed your 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 mission is to move. That's it. You don't have to think. You just have to move. And uh, yeah, that that's that's more or less how it. How, how it ended uh, she started she stopped believing in herself and I started believing even more in myself that's how it ended more or less I mean she uh, when at the 68th uh, <clears throat> start uh I stood there uh I we had it was the last night it was uh it was it was a very special thing between in between loops because we had... Courtney had one tent with all the sides on it, so you couldn't see in. I had one tent with all the sides on it, so <laughs> so no one could. In. We had our own teams in there that just it was like a pit stop, you know. Everyone was really taking care of us, feeding us, uh, just making sure we were comfortable. We were. I I, I was I was <laughs> almost saying race cars. We were far from race cars, but we were some sort of scary machines <laughs> that were supposed to be just keep on going at, at least. And uh, so we had both really good staffs that tried to, to keep us on the on the race for as long as possible. So uh, just I, I think it was someone touched me really gently when it was like two minutes to the start. Uh, just placing a hand on me, which woke me up from where I, wherever I was in mentally. Uh, I was under blankets. I was laying down in this chair with my feet high and. Um, and then I walked out, and every loop, Courtney was already there at the starting, li- starting line, in the starting corral. And this time, she wasn't. So, I stood there, and the seconds ticked away. And Lass came up, babbling to me about something, I don't know. And I was just stressed, where's Courtney? Where's Courtney? And I said to him, hey, Las, where's Courtney? Where's Courtney? And uh, like 15, 10 seconds to the start, she came out. She walked up to me and then just said that uh, you won this. Mm. And that that must we... be
1: it must be a pretty weird experience, though, because you're jousting for 68 hours, and then especially yeah. near the end when you've got like four or six people, mm-hmm. and then it's down to two of you. And now because of where your mental state, you're almost like this is this is the zone you're living in right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that's it, over. No,
0: it was like she was breaking the rules somehow. I w- I, everything was just breaking down inside me because this was not supposed to be happening. We had a routine here. <laughs> Please stick to the routine. Don't give me any new things to think about. I, I, we have a routine. It's working. Let's keep keep to the routine. I mean, I wanted to hug her. I wanted to punch her. I wanted to, I, I don't know. I just, we, we shook hands and I took off. And and I wanted to drag her along with me because that was supposed to be the next loop. It was, it was supposed to be me and Courtney doing the next loop. I knew it in really, really deep within me. And then I had to do it by myself. Of course, I was... On an intellectual level, I was uh, I was extremely happy to have pulled, to have pulled this off, but uh, my feelings was telling me it's not supposed to be this way. I don't want to do this anymore. There's no reason for doing this anymore. The, the rules are gone. The runners are gone. All the game we have played is no more. And I'm continuing by myself. I'm stupid. And, and those feelings and thoughts were extremely deep. And I did the loop. And uh, I had to push myself, and 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 uh, decide to to look and stay happy. Because of the 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 spectators that were still there and still awake so they wouldn't find a, a grumpy winner that that didn't want to be there anymore <laughs> because something really it was a really strange feeling that the magic was gone we we could have kept on going of course I mean it's just something happened and and we stopped but but uh, there was no longer any fun when when you were you when you when the game was over
1: because that's the hard thing about it isn't it like it's only when you say something happened and it just stopped, it can happen yeah. so easily in this event. You know, yeah. it's it's a rhythm that has to keep going every 60 minutes. And yeah. that one moment of weakness, it might have passed, it might not pass, or one wrong decision, and you're out. Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And I also think it's since we, we talked about that just now that you get really primitive and it's more, more or less instinct. And of course, it's not that it's not tactics at this point. It's just things that happens. And um, I think also I had, I had enjoyed those last uh, loops a lot because I felt confident. Perhaps I felt confident and get those hormones for the first time in, in many, many days. Just the last couple of hours. So I perhaps missed those feelings that being strong, being in control. And that was also crushed by winning, strangely yes. enough. But but uh, as, as, as I mentioned, it's this really primitive brain at this stage. Yeah.
1: And, that, and that's what people need to understand and appreciate like 68 hours into that, like just stay up for 68 hours, you know, <laughs> and try no, and see no. how that works. Like, um, yeah. can you remember what Lars said to you after that? He's such a unique character, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is. He is. I, I, I love him deeply. He showed me. He, he he given. He showed me so much adventure. He given me the opportunity to be so much more than I thought that I could be. His races and his way of doing things inspire me so much.
1: Yeah, he's, he's given, it's almost a gift to all the ultra running world, like the backyard. You talked about the 500k. That was one of his races, wasn't it? Yeah. You've yeah. been in the Barkley four times and another yeah. unique race. I'll never forget, you know, and I had John Kelly on the podcast and he apologized to John Kelly because John Kelly finished the race. And he Yeah. Said, you know, I'm <laughs> sorry, John. You didn't get to see how far you could go.
0: Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. And he hates me for for I normally when it comes to to things like is like Berkeley for me is 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 not a race against others it's, it's for me it's just the the top goal I would love to finish that race for me and perhaps for last but but uh, I when I when I done when I finished it and I finished a few uh, I never finished it when I finished a fun run there. Uh, i done it with people, uh, running friends, and uh, we decided to put our hands on, on this uh, yellow gate at the same time, just as a symbol of we did this together. Lass hate those things. It's always a <laughs> race, you know. And the first time I did it, he saw that I suggested it, which meant that in the, in the results, he put me behind the other guy. <laughs> so for last, it's a race. It's, it's not like a picnic. It's, it's a race. You should race until the end. It's one winner. It's always one winner. Yeah,
1: it must be pretty difficult for yourself, though, coming from Sweden, you know, because you don't really have loads of mountain terrain. Like, you've done the lakes of the Great Western State. The Barkley like is the is Barkley Lake 14,500 feet from memory? Maybe around that, anyway, per loop? It's a lot, uh, it? 13 and I not 13,500. I think
0: Barkley is uh, approximately 70,000 feet in total. if <laughs> I <in total. laughs>
1: and <laughs> um, like you've done the likes of the, the tour de jaunts and things like that like how, how are you able to do that uh
0: i'm i'm really bad at it i'm, I'm bad at climbing and and especially oh well it's i'm o- i'm okay climbing but i'm i'm really bad at running downhill because i never practiced it so uh, when my fellow runners they are uh, floating like water downhill i struggle but um, still the mountain races are the ones i love the most i love the mountain I live in a flat place. We have an artificial ski slope. I do repeats there when I when I can push myself to that. But but no, it's 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 absolutely a weak point. If I have any strong points, is it's that I can do it for a long time. But I mean, I'm not fast.
1: Yeah, but even the likes of Leadville, you finished it. Like how you adapt to the altitude in a race like that?
0: Uh, that was I was so dead at Leadville. I I had tried to acclimatize, but it didn't work out. So. Almost at the, at the turnaround point I was so weak my, my heart raced uh, It was just I could uh, on the on the way up again to the pass I, I had to sit that I, I had to de- decide to take a hundred steps Then I had to sit down and get the pulse down It was it was terrible and and I wanted to come to Leadville and do a good race I I was uh, aiming for top ten uh, and I had a really good feeling going out. I trained well Uh, everything felt perfect and then I just, the wheels came off.
1: Very very difficult race for the likes of yourself or even anybody in Europe really. It's not living up in those high altitudes like because it really is about that and altitude affects so many people in so many different ways as well. Um, It's one I really, really want to do but (laughs) like you really need time in your calendar to get out a couple of weeks I feel and get sort of acclimatized slightly to it. Um, Johan, I really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are squeezing me in. I'm going to put you um, neck and neck with Courtney here again because I did a quiz with Courtney to test on how good of an ultra runner she was. Um, (laughs) She got 10, sorry, 11 right out of 13.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but but, uh, how good of an ultra runner she is. She's the best, my friend. She's the best.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to take you through this quiz to finish off, all right? So... It's just yes or no answers, really. Like both. Okay. So you've met more friends on the trail that you have at the bar. Yeah. Um, you try tried to sleep whilst walking. Yeah. You've had awesome hallucinations without taking mind-bending drugs.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yes.
1: <laughs> you've eaten salt on its own without tequila. Oh, yeah. Um, you've put anti shaping cream on your feet and butt in a public place and consider this to be normal.
0: My friend, yes, many times. (laughs) Uh,
1: You've invited friends away for the weekend so they can feed you while you run. Yes. (laughs) You've had the pleasure of pulling off your own toenails.
0: Oh, so many times.
1: (laughs) You've more buckles than you have belts.
0: Oh, that's so sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Your weekend runs are limited by how much time you have and not by how far you can run.
0: Nah, no.
1: You've been on an extremely long bus journey only to get off and run back to where you get on.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crazy. You continue to shove calories down your throat even though you can't stop puking.
0: No. I don't puke.
1: You don't puke. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: You embrace the pain cave and see it as a place of growth and great teaching rather than a place to be feared. Yeah. Um, I th- you broke even there with Courtney, I'm afraid. like, So we're going to have yeah. to see it neck and neck in the next backyard. Do you think it's going to go that? ahead this year?
0: Oh, I hope so, so much. I was hoping to do a trip there now and do the race uh, across Tennessee in, in July. But I canceled that. It's the, the travel regulations are too harsh. Um, it, didn't, it didn't feel okay to do it. So I, I have a flight for October. I, I wish so much that it will happen. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. everybody
1: is sort of hoping, hanging their hat on that, um, especially because I know when I podcasted him, he was so excited that he wanted to have it next week. Um, yeah, you know, it really is like the World Championships as he's now calling it, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, yeah um, but I, I miss, I miss them. I miss Lass. I miss last so much. I, 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 looked. Someone sent me a clip from from YouTube from uh, from 2018 Bigs and and uh, just. Just listening to him, and it's um, be close to him when he when he when he talks his shit. It, he, I want to be there again.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. I'm actually registered for the Barclay Classic this year as well, so I don't know whether it's going to go ahead in September, um, yeah. but I am holding my fingers crossed. Um, we had John Sharp. I don't know if you know John. Yeah. On the podcast last week, I'm releasing his episode today. Another unique runner, and it really is that. Essence of all of that community that we long for, as well, isn't
0: it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, all of them. Yeah,
1: Johan, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. It um, was a
0: pleasure. It was a pleasure.
1: Wow, how class was that? Johan Steen on the podcast doesn't get much better than that. He is everything I'd like to be as an Ultra Runner simplistic, present, resilient, and just a super cool guy. Absolutely awesome. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It would be great to see your name on the list for the Finn McCool Challenge. It's going to be epic. Make sure you drop into our Facebook page as we're going to have the crack over the 16 weeks. How could you not when racing with the Irish? Mike Wardian on the show next week. Another level altogether. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.